And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course. And it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. And we continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope. And we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX-11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX-10 now on sale and get RX-11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Al, Joey, what's happening? We're here. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having us, Joe. Of course. How's it going? I'm good. I'm in a rainy Seattle, warmish rainy Seattle, which is weird. Um, where are you? You are you in the same town, same place? I am. I'm I'm hovering over in the Fremont neighborhood right now. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling the same right. the same uh, warm rain you are. Yeah. Joey, where are you at? You're all over the place these days. Yeah, yeah. I'm in Kent, Ohio right now on my way back to Dallas from New Jersey. I was out uh, visiting people for the holidays or whatever. So, yeah. My my parents live here, so I'm in my parents' okay. house right now. Are you both Ohioans from the youth? We are. When did you get out of there? I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean <laughs> I, I, that came out wrong. I'm, I didn't mean it that way. I, I would have gotten out of there much earlier than um, 2008, which is when I moved to Seattle. Um, okay. Playing in six part seven is what kept me in Ohio. You know, it's yeah. a cheap place to tour from, you know, sure. Cheaper place to rent than, than Washington state, especially Seattle. Yeah. You know, easy to have a practice space there, all that kind of stuff. So it just facilitated the touring for a long time. Yeah. What was, what was the rock and roll scene like there? Oh, I mean, I, I'm not going to speak for Joey. I'm a, I'm a few years older. I don't know actually what the age difference is here, but um, I just listened to your pod with uh, Bertram not too long ago, and I grew up listening to Link. Okay. Um, so I'm very much of that, you know, early '90s um, yeah. DC influenced basement DIY scene. Yeah. You know. And what was it like in Kent? Was it vibrant? 
Um, it became so, especially around like 1995 to 1998. Yeah, there was a great scene there. I remember playing shows there, but I, it's one of those things I remember, but you don't remember. Oh, yeah. You know, the play, you I mean, you... maybe you played Cleveland, maybe you played Akron, maybe you played Chicago. I mean, all those places <laughs> honestly kind of had the same vibe at that time. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Midwestern kids flinging themselves against fucking cinder block walls. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Joey, what was it? What What was your rock and roll relationship in the 90s? Um. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, like high school and stuff. We, yeah, it was just like Kent was. There was just a lot going on. Um, I left. I went and lived in Philly. I think when I was like, I was traveling a lot when I was younger, and then I ended up in Philly. Mm -hmm. So I kind of left around eighteen or nineteen, right after high school, and then um, I came back in uh, two thousand and three or something like that. And that's actually where Al and I met about that period, time period. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was great. I mean, playing with Six Part Seven, all, all those bands that were hanging around. Um, yeah, it was awesome. And so were you homies and just hanging around starting in 2003? Well, I don't actually remember how we met. I mean, it would have been through shows somehow. Yeah. But I don't remember, like, where we first met. Do you remember that, Al? I mean, I, I have a memory of it. At that time, I was um, working at a, a Kinko's copy shop, which is like a FedEx, oh, that's whatever. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Shit, now I was the person who was holding that down, printing out like the, you know, like local seven inch covers and just doing things for the scene. Like, you know, if someone wanted a, 500 copies of a seven inch, I'd do it for them for free. I worked third shift. There was no one Yay. there. I remember you coming in with to make CD covers one time. I didn't know mm -hmm. you, and you gave me a copy of your CD, and yeah. I listened to it. And that's, we. you kept coming in, and we kept talking. Cool. Kinko. And you still have it. That's, yeah. I do still I have totally it. I totally forgot about I that. I do still have it. Yeah. So I knew that of you before, years before I ever saw you play any shows. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, so I would have been. I would, that's crazy because I would have been. I probably would have was probably in high school then. Yeah, and I I was yeah. I was probably close to to graduating college at Kent State at that point, and and touring Six Part Seven was already an established band by that point, and um, you know I think we started playing shows once your big band became established, and we were sharing bills, and I was like, yeah, this is that guy that I knew from back at Kinko's, and I actually like his music even more now than I did back then, you know. Yeah. What do you guys think? Is there an equivalent to Kinko's? No. Is there something that brings us together for cheap commerce, you know, or, or to operating commerce cheaply? It's kind of a weird question, I, mean, I know, Bandcamp but it dawns is, on me. I'd say there's Bandcamp, a lot of romance in Kinko's. There is. Bandcamp might be the answer. Yeah. I mean, but Bandcamp kind of does is like not only the Kinko's, but the record labels of the time and the zines of the time yeah. all put together because you got the music there, you got album artwork and all that stuff already yeah. there. Yeah, you're right. I don't think there's anything else that's even close. That was such a, a unique like uh, part of the scene functions at that time. Yeah. It just doesn't really exist anymore. Same thing in Seattle. My guitarist worked at Kinko's and it was like all our paper needs were were met yep <laughs> late at night yep um well we're here to talk about this new record um which i love the title kissing distance um which is a co collaboration between six part seven and good morning valentine 
been listening to it a lot last couple of days, especially yesterday. Sunday was a good day to listen to that record for some reason. Nice. And uh, it's a perfect marriage of um, mood-setting, texture-rich. It touches on country and rock, but there's something pretty magical about what you all did together. And most importantly, it's vibe-rich. Thank you. Thank you. I sound like a broken record sometimes with this. I listen to music in the car often. This is, could be a perfect driving record. Oh, that nothing could <laughs> nothing could say it better. <laughs> um, so I understand you started this record roughly around 2006, 2007. Is that right? Yeah. I, I mean, Alkins, like, this is also long ago. Like, we kind of have to fill in the holes for each other. But um, yeah. Yeah, like I, we started it. I think we did it in a, a huge chunk of it. We did in one weekend in two thousand and six. Okay, and then um, I ended up mixing the first version of it, but that wasn't done until like two thousand and eight. Okay, and we did like a like a really small, just like CDR pressing of it, and did like one show, and that was kind of it for the record. With uh, yeah, so that's kind of like. The, sh- the short story of it, I guess. Okay. And and um, going back just a little bit, what um, what was the kernel of, of inspiration for you to make a collaborative record like this? I mean, for me, we had been playing with Six Part Seven a lot. And um, I really love the band. I lo- really love their, their live thing. So it just seemed, and I, you know, Al had worked with some songwriters in the past. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure, you know, one of us just brought it up and it mm-hmm. was, you know, that was, it just made sense. I mean, like, we both really loved each other's aesthetic or whatever. And, like, the 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 bands were close, like, kind of, like, interchangeable parts at some point, you know, like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just, I don't know, Al can add to that, too. Sure. I think there's a little more detail in it. I mean, I'm going to go back to even what we were talking about. Um, I think the song that um, Meditation in D, which is the first single off the record, was sort of the impetus for us to get to get together and actually try and do something on that weekend and put music to tape. Um, mm-hmm. Joey had this song and it, he was playing at the shows he was talking about where, you know, six part seven would also be on the bill and everyone in our band loved it. It seemed different than the rest of his set. It's, it was a song that stretched out longer. It, allowed, it had more space in it, um, which is what we are all about. Yeah. Um, you know, we wanted the space between the notes to have by far more meaning than the notes themselves. So this was perfect. And uh, around this song, we were just like, we're going to record this and some other shit over the weekend. Let's see how much we can do. I don't know that we tried to do a whole album that weekend, but it ended up being that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because um, th- I felt that too. I, f- I went back and listened to, well, both of your bands, but that song in particular did feel a little more spacious than the other stuff I was hearing from Joey. And what I want to ask is, did, when you got in the studio, how much do you think you influenced the way each other plays? I mean, there, there was a lot of you, I understand, but do you think it changed yeah. e- either of your vibes greatly? To make one thing. Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, specifically for me, like, um, there was that song 
But I think once we started talking about doing something together, I mean, Six Part Seven definitely had a big influence on what I was bringing to the table and thinking about. You know what I mean? Like, I not to like ape their sound, but I I wanted to like bring something that was I knew was going to be open for them to you know like really imprint on. Um, so yeah, I mean, like it was definitely a big. A big consideration, yeah. That's a tough question. For myself and for Six Part Seven, I, I don't think so. That the, the thing that was different for us with this was that we had never went into a recording situation before where we weren't thoroughly prepared. And so all right. of this music was conceived of over that weekend. None of us wrote parts. None of us knew exactly what we were going to play. It was all, all right. spontaneous. So that was a completely, completely new thing for us. We were way stepping outside of our comfort zone on this. And we still got something pretty magical. I mean, I, I think it's it, a lot of it has to do with, I, you know, as a musician, there are times in your life where you're at your peak powers. This yeah. was one of those times. We were sensitive. We were – we could play well enough. I mean – we were just open to different things and yeah. something cool came out of it. Yeah, sure did. I, I like it. And it's really easy for me. I mean, you know, kind of being from the same era and, you know, being a musician, I it's easy for me to visualize y'all making this record, yeah. you know? Um, I, I don't think you've probably seen a, 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 the liner, the actual insert to the album cover, but there's photos this whole thing was recorded in Joey's basement and there's pictures of him next to this like table with all this junky recording equipment on it. And there's like maybe four wide and five high stacks of Marlboro cigarette packets just sitting oh. up there, you know, like three people in the band were still smoking all the time. <laughs> like it was like you know, people were still smoking in clubs in the Midwest at oh. that time, you know? Yeah. Crazy. It was that vibe. It's so crazy. And so I'm curious why it's you, you probably you finished the record, you finished recording some 2006, 2007, and now here we are, 224. What happened? What? Why? So oh, long? Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'd have to ask David Dickinson that. I actually tried to get him to put this record out when we finished it, okay. um, but you know, it wasn't really in the cards for a thing like that at that time, right? You know? Okay. Well, I guess you did put it out just sort of informally on the CDR. We did. Well, I'd like to play uh, Meditation in D. Is that cool? Yeah, please do. All right, here we go. Shores. 
Deserted beaches, distant pines All is lost We're left behind Well, I've been lonely Could have been Waiting there Oh, all of this strange Find out need to know beautiful song as i was saying i can easily imagine the recording uh smoky room i'm assuming as we were talking about uh but i think i read that you used a lot of single mic on this recording 57 specifically and um i'm interested in how how you did track this record sounds like a lot of people were going in and out over the course of two days right 
Um, yeah, so it's it's a kind of a scatter shot. Um, a lot of the solo stuff was done with. Uh, I actually think it was a fifty-eight. I don't know if it's a fifty-seven or fifty-eight. I can't remember at that time, but. Um, so a lot of the solo stuff was just a single guitar and vocal, and then I would just do like whatever, some overdubs on top. The recording with like Meditation and D, um, all the instrumental stuff, those guys just played in the room. You know? Yeah, so Tim uh, had brought, from Six Part Seven, had brought enough gear to like record drums and stuff. So that was actually kind of recorded properly. Um, but a lot of the solo stuff was just a single microphone. Um, and then they kind of added stuff over top of it. So when we went to mix it, the guitar and the voice are just on a single track. Okay. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I was like, I was just like really going through like this whole like minimal minimalist thing where it's like, yeah, it was just like single microphone and that was, that's what we got. No editing, no nothing. So. And Al, six part seven was, it was live, right? You were just, yep. Yep. yeah. Yeah, there was something Joey would have to tell you about this. It, the way the, the, the recording system worked, we couldn't go back and do any overdubs or repair any parts. So it's a, when we were doing that, like especially with Meditation and D, like I said, there was uh, Joey was going, there were four guitars going, there's a bass going, all that stuff. If there was one mistake made, we would just have to start all over again. Cool. Yeah, it made it, you know it made for spontaneous recordings, which again we were talking about the magic earlier. I, I really through my life of of recording music, I, a lot of it just comes down to those moments. Do you happen right. to be there for them or not? We luckily were this time. And so, you've played one show. This record comes out on February fourteenth with our friend David Dickinson's record label, Suicide Squeeze. Um, do you have any plans to tour, play any shows? We do. Great. Yeah, so the record actually comes out February 16th, Friday the February 16th. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was 14th. Yeah, and um, yeah, we're going to try and tour in the spring. Um, just probably the West Coast. Uh, anywhere, you know, we're looking at like 12 to 14 days or whatever. Yeah, we got a, we got a really nice band in Seattle. Um, Al put together. Uh, it's, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. How many people on stage? I think on this tour, it's probably going to be five. It'll be myself and Joey, um, Matt Haas, who used to play in Good Morning Valentine and also played uh, slide guitar and electric guitar in Six Part Seven um, mm -hmm. on multiple albums and tours. And then um, a couple other local players, uh, Chris Early and Tim Mining, who used to play in Band of Horses. I know Tim. Yeah, those guys. He used to have his drums just about 200 feet away from where I'm sitting right now. Hey. Oh, interesting. He's a there great drummer. Which, which, um, which drum kit? He has multiple. Oh, I know. That guy is an equipment head. <laughs> I, know, I didn't even want to look in that room. Um, well, good. That, that's great. And uh, I will catch it wherever I can. Um, before we got on this recording, we were uh, trying. To, well, I was trying to be as snarky as pitchfork's reputation is for being snarky about pitchfork um because we just got the news that it's folding into gq magazine which to me it's like whatever i don't care but my experience with pitchfork started pretty healthily and then for some reason just remembered this i dedicated myself 
to read Pitchfork every single day for one year. Not in entirety, but look at the thing and give it a, a fair shake. Because that was the beginning of everyone going like, fuck these people. So I remember at the end of that year, I'm sure it wasn't exactly 365 days, but close. Um, I thought, this isn't very valuable. But it's not that offensive. And um, so now, with, with you know, a lot of people are talking a lot about it, folding. I don't, I don't seem to care. You guys have an opinion about the old lord of indie rock criticism? It really was that for a minute, and I think that's the problem that I had with it was that it was the king. It was the king namer for a while. I mean, bands yeah. broke up because they got three point three reviews on yeah. Pitchfork. It had too much influence. Um, I'm not yeah. sad to see it go. Um, yeah. I do think it's interesting for the people who careers that it's sort of encapsulated it's kind of like back in the day when you had like your myspace page disappear and everything that you did on that your whole history just vanished it'd be like the same thing now if like instagram went away so many people would cry yeah like this is a little bit like that like where did i go what was but you're supposed to be more than just what's on the internet or you should own your shit more than just to own it or to have it be displayed on someone else's platform. I mean, that's sure. not who we are. We're not someone else's platform. Pitchfork's yeah. not who I am. Like, it's not who you are as a musician. I mean, I mean, I, uh, you know, I can't even imagine how many bands that you've played and have been reviewed on that site, you know? Right. And I never read them. I only read my solo record and it was fair. And I was like, yeah. oh, I, but I didn't care that much. People, uh, I hired a publicist and she was like, did you see the Pitchfork thing? And I was like, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. You got me on there. (laughs) It was probably the guy who sang on my record from Black Heart Procession who got me on there. Paul. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Uh, Joey, are you sad about Pitchfork? Is that why you're not saying? I mean, I I don't really. um, I don't. Yeah, I don't really. I'm just kidding. I'm not like a big reviews guy or whatever. Like all the music I find is like, you know, friends or whatever, you know. So I'm not like a. I don't spend a lot of time online anyways, like with all that stuff. So I could care yeah. less, you know, either way, whatever, you know. I wonder if there'll be another one. Oh, I'm sure there'll be. I'm sure there'll do, be another one. Do you feel like um, there was one, there was something that felt as harsh as Pitchfork before it? Or do you think the reason it was so hard for people of our generation to take was because we weren't used to it? What do you mean by harsh? The criticism that yeah, they told the us sometimes? Oh, I mean, yeah. Maximum Rock and Roll used to fucking slam shit back in the day. No, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's anything new there. Um, yeah, I think it's just as the internet started to take over, that site had an an outsized influence, and some people, like I said, it's it it felt like their careers were dependent on it for a while. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well. I'm going to give this new record of yours out February 16th, not the 14th, on Suicide Squeeze. I'm going to give it a Pitchfork 10. There you go. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's beautiful. uh, Take that to the bank. Um, No, but I really love the record, and um, it's nice to talk to you guys. And I'll see it. I'll see the show. 
I'll think be on the, the West show, Coast when you're. Well, the show, like you know, I think we need to book that in your basement in West yeah. Seattle. <laughs> We've got a date. <laughs> All right, we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. You know, Let's like start there. Three bucks at the door. You know. Whatever. God, Kinkos. Yeah, we'll make flyers? some flyers. I got oh, there's man. a there's actually a FedEx copy shop right down the street from me in, in Fremont. Oh, so that's great. I'll make some color copy flyers. All right, color, <laughs> <laughs> color copy flyers is funny. That's a good joke. Um, all right, fellas. Well. Again, nice, nice to see you, and congrats on this record. Thank you. Um, and I hope to see you on the road. Travel safe when you're out there. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Hope to see you soon. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.